especially as an investor, you have to have an answer for the S in ESG. Especially Dutch people, if you say you can't do something, they will do. So it's, it's nudging. Hello there and welcome to the podcast No Stone Unturned from Savills. In this podcast, we will tell you all about real estate and ESG in the Netherlands. What are the latest developments in ESG? And what do you really need to know before investing in Dutch real estate? Listening to this podcast allows you to become a real frontrunner. I am Charlotte Harmsen and in this episode I'm going to talk about healthy living and community building. My guest of today is Niels Bonder, manager of Healthy Urban Living at AM, a company which is specialized in area development. Welcome Niels. Thank you. I'm going to ask you a question about your own urban environment before we go uh, into your work. In what kind of neighborhood do you live? I live in Utrecht, kind of a, a suburban place, but still close to the city center, uh, which has a lot of uh, greens and parks around it. And talking about one of your projects, I know that uh, IM is um, working on the development of the hero terrain in Breda. Uh, there used to be a factory there, but that was demolished. And now you are developing what has become the healthiest neighborhood in the Netherlands. What makes it so healthy? When we finish in uh, in uh, in Breda, it's 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 not the healthiest. I think uh, to the aim to be the healthiest and to make the uh, the borough that it that it is uh, so good that people can be uh, the healthiest place uh, can be the healthiest there. Um, we have I think you have three things you can do. You can make the buildings in the borough uh, healthy. Uh, 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 for instance, have uh, good ventilation or non-toxic materials or uh, big glass uh, uh, for We daylight. talked about that uh, yeah. in another episode on bio-based materials, for example. Yeah. yeah, that's the building part. But the building is sets in the neighborhood, in the borough. And uh, there you have the park, there you have the trees, there you have uh, no cars. Uh, and we can build that. Uh, but the third part, that's the difficult part, I think, that's the third B. <laughs> Uh, that's the behavior, because if we do everything right, then how are the people uh, influenced or nudged by doing the healthy thing? And we try to do that by making the healthy thing the easiest thing to do, the the the, the fun thing to do, the cheapest thing cheapest thing to to do, um, like uh, um, uh, more bikes or or the the cars a little far, more far away from uh, uh, from your living area. So. So there's kind of three Bs, the building, the yeah, borough, the building, and, uh, the borough and, the behavior. and the behavior. And and we try to influence the three Bs. Yeah. yeah, we also know that I think from a property perspective, if you look at our property management department, for example, who is managing a lot of the most smart, healthy and uh, sustainable buildings that we have in the Netherlands, but to um, nudge, as you say, to, to encourage the occupiers to actually use it in, in a sustainable and healthy way, that's, I think, the biggest challenge. So how do you connect these three things? You have the healthy buildings, you have the environment and all the trees, and you have the people living in it. Uh, what kind of, it, it almost, to me, it sounds like almost like a, a bit of psychology. <laughs> how do you inspire the, the, um, the residents of these areas to yeah, optimally use everything that you've uh, facilitated? It's environmental psychology. It's, it's how do you uh, 
persuade the people uh, and not not persuade like you cannot do that especially dutch people are are uh, if, if you say you can't do any, uh, something they will do uh, uh, that so it's it's nudging it's it's making the the good thing uh, f- fun cheap and and uh, and quick to do but you're right we are an area developer and and there's still kind of a stigma on on well project developers like we were kind of a hit and run kind of uh, uh, companies but that's not how am works we make it we have influence on that what we make and that w- how we're making that area uh, with parks with facilities and all that kind of stuff but but then people are going to live there and so um, those people want to we want to have them uh, well be happy and be healthy uh, so so that's where the community building comes up mm-hmm. we want to um, make the the new people that will live there uh, kind of a part of our their own success and try to well uh, with apps uh, with a community uh, worker in the area uh, in association with uh, the community itself uh, we try to make uh, all the good things uh, possible so that they will see good things are fun to do and if it's uh, running with your neighbor or or playing uh, with uh, the other uh, children or harvesting fruit uh, together uh, all that kind of community type things healthy community type things will help uh, well make a healthy borough In every episode, I invite my colleague Iris Kampers to share an ESG insight. And today, of course, we're talking about the impact on community. And Iris, tell me, what ESG insight do you have for me today? Thank you, Charlotte. So let's talk a little bit more about nudging. Because nudging obviously means to sort of delicately imply that something could be the right choice and to, to, you know, show a little bit of preference towards taking the stairs versus taking the elevator. And we do the same thing in ESG, but what we find in ESG is that a lot of people crave awareness of what they're actually doing, what they're contributing to in order to be nudged in the right direction. And um, Cells in the UK has recently bought um, the Curiosity app. So we've acquired a a company that builds an app that we, in our property management, use to give more insight and to gain awareness on ESG. And how does the app do that? Okay, so what the app does, and I'm I'm really excited to tell you this because I I really enjoyed when they showed me. What the app does, it, it just keeps track of different types of ESG. So, for example, your energy usage, but also your waste. Um, different types of water usage, so all these different environmental themes. But what the team in the UK did for several buildings is that they also impl- implemented a sort of social platform. So every tenant can see their environmental sustainability, they can compare it to each other once every while, every, every quarterly meeting, they just show the stats on the board and everyone can reflect on that and they can learn from each other on how to do better. But also the facility managers there, so the Savills facility managers, they created the social platform to not only talk about their environmental footprint, but also talk about, okay, so someone is changing their office furniture or now with COVID, they're you know making different arrangements within their office space. What are we going to do with all the excess furniture? Mm-hmm. And they've created a platform. Sort of like a marketplace. Sort of like a marketplace. And they either they contact the the... Um, constructor or the the developer to come and collect 
the the materials again so that it can be recycled. But what they also did is they got into contact with local schools, with local um, refugee centers, and they donated some of the some of the furniture to them or or kitchens or or whatnot. And this has really created a great sense of community around these buildings. So that was what I wanted to share for you today. Thank you so much, Iris. We talked a bit about the Dutch, typical Dutch legislation. I also want to talk about other things that make it, yeah, that make the Netherlands maybe different to other countries. So a project like the Hero project in Breda is that. Um, like an exception in the Dutch market, or are there more projects like these where uh, there's, uh, yeah, not only IM projects maybe, but um, uh, where we're we're getting ahead in uh, having more of a balance in these projects with the people, the planet, and the profits. Well, luckily for the country, I think other parties uh, such as uh, Ballas Nedam are stepping up the plate, especially on 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 healthy development. But I think what AM is doing, and that's a big difference, uh, is that we also want to to look if that what we thought of and uh, what we made does work. And uh, I think we're. For as far as I know, right now the the only company that stays longer to look at if the things we thought of are if really the concept working, actually if the concept works, actually works, in, works in, in practice. In practice, and 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 we're not doing that only uh, as as AM, but also with the Hogeschool of Amsterdam uh, and uh, so so more academic partners, so that it's not only AM is doing good, but it's it's also really checked because we we truly want to know. We, we don't uh, use it as a marketing trick. We want to know if that what we we thought of worked. So each project can be better than the previous one. Yes, of course. And and the concept of community building is the same in every project. But uh, looking for that community that works in that environment with that type of people, that's the, the thing we, we don't know yet. It's our... Well, uh, that's our research to and do. And then do, do you look for examples in other countries to learn from? Or, or do you say, well, other cultures are so different than if I work on, on community building, I cannot look to uh, other or other European countries or, or abroad? No, no, no. Uh, I think um, uh, abroad there are good examples of uh, how communities are being built. Uh, and especially uh, when you look uh, even overseas, uh, like within Canada and and um, the United States, there are examples of good community. But the type of how we build in the Netherlands with uh, area developers and then kind of uh, we leave and and other people take over, that's well sort of unique for the Netherlands. So so community, you cannot say well that community worked in in the United States. So we ha- that's the holy grail for the Netherlands. I think we always have to look for a Dutch translation of, of the good things. Yeah, And uh, of course, um, something that you have repeated a couple of times is that uh, we're used to sort of a format where the developer leaves, maybe sells it to, uh, to an end investor, uh, uh, the project or the buildings. Uh, what would you want to say to, I mean, there will always be projects uh, that uh, not every developer will stay on for as long as you do maybe. What would you want to say to these uh, investors? Is there an opportunity for them? I think, well, as an investor, you can do this uh, yourself, right? So so um, especially as an investor, well, you have to 
eh, you have to have an answer for the S in ESG. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when you... It's the most difficult que- question. If we look at what our uh, clients are also asking, that they've spent a lot of time working out the E on their investments, right? To, to look how they can um, uh, improve the sustainability of their property portfolio. But I think the S is, is now um, gaining traction. Well, what most people do, uh, most investors do that as well. They look, if is there some kind of certification possibility? Well, and there is. There is the well certification or the fit well. And yep. there are lots of other, uh, uh, well, certifications that are possible. But those are mostly technical. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the building doesn't make you sick. Yeah? That's, that's the other way around. But I think what we're doing and what, what an investor can do is if you make an effort in make a community making a community you can measure how happy people are or or how long people will stay in your apartment building or or that kind of stuff so then you have other answers for your s in the esg and 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 it's it's also common sense if you have a, a healthy happy population in your apartment building chances are they have a job. They keep their job, and uh, they can pay. The, they can keep paying the rent. So it's it's not all uh, mumbo jumbo in the end. I think it's it's a right. Uh, it's common sense for an investor to invest in the S in ESG because it's happy tenants don't move. Yeah, they don't move, and they pay the rent. A topic that I want to discuss with you is building for the elderly. Of course, in the Netherlands. Um uh, and in other countries as well, there's a huge aging uh, group uh, and we have a shortage of care homes. But I also uh, have the feeling that the aging group uh, is having different requirements than maybe the the previous generation. What is uh, your thought on that? What are you? Uh, we as I am have, have the concept of, um, well, c- city veterans, we call them. They have money and they are still... Uh, fairly healthy so they can do with their lives uh, what they want and they now occupy the homes for starters or for uh, well a young families so we want to make smaller homes but they do have to be care proof um, uh, but they they you won't find them in well what we used to do in a forest some, somewhere uh, uh, but in the city center uh, so starter apartments but also city veteran apartments in the city center i think that's a good thing uh, to do not only for that uh, type of people but also for the move uh, you can then gain in in the housing market yeah i I, i'm thinking of a project um in amsterdam where where their concept is that uh, there are apartments for uh, elderly and for uh, young people with children and they also want to create sort of like a um, uh, a community where the elderly also take care maybe of the of the children that also live in in that same building do you also see mixed mixed properties like that or do you do you see the elderly living in you know the, in, a, in, a, in de- different projects uh, to be honest i think it's both there are types of people that want to well be surrounded by uh, lots of their own type of pe- people uh, and that's a good thing i think um, but there are also uh, people that want they want that interaction with uh, other people, other cultures, uh, uh, other lifestyles. Um, um, and I think uh, big cities like Amsterdam or Utrecht, um, they have kind of the obligation to do both things. Uh, and I think that then you get the best mix because if you have um, 
well, those new apartments, mostly they are uh, apartment, but they are in an attractive place with, with, with lots of facilities that you want to have as a city veteran, then you are willing to move to a smaller house because the other things around it uh, make it attractive to, uh, to go to move. In every episode, we ask someone from the Savills teams to dive into the Savills database and to bring us a statistic which really stands out and which says something about ESG topics. Today, about community building, of course. Our guest of today is Bas Wilberts, who heads the residential and hotel investment team at Savills. Bas, I'm very curious, what is your standout statistic? Yeah, so for today, I have uh, quite a striking number. Um, it is, uh, has to do with uh, difference in pricing um, comparing single monofunctional buildings with mixed-use buildings. Which but is, what is the stat? What is the stat? The stat is 38.2%. And this is a figure that um, the RCA, which is a very uh, well-known uh, company that kind of administrates all the deals that are being done in commercial real estate throughout uh, Europe. And their analysis was that 38% is the difference in uh, in pricing with regards to uh, monofunctional and, and mixed-use projects. Now, this is a quite a striking number because it's it's a real big uh, delta between the two. Um, I think you all also have to make some nuances with regard to this number, but it shows that investing in mixed-use uh, projects um, has quite an effect, uh, and and projects are standing out, so to say, uh, and so investors are willing to spend more on these type of projects than the monofunction ones. So what does that tell us? Uh, if I um, put that in line with everything I've talked about uh, with Niels, yep. um, what you're actually saying is that there's not only community advantages of uh, building, of mixing several functions, but it's actually a good investment. I think you know the nuances you have to make is probably those projects are being built in city centers um, rather than being in very rural areas. So there's already some price uh, differentiation going on between the two. Um, but in a way, it is a bright future because we have a lot of uh, challenges. Uh, we we uh, heard from, from Niels today uh, and, and what you brought forward with regards to uh, sustainability, um, with the social component, and all these elements are specifically in city areas, uh, those uh, challenges. And mixed use is typically something you have in, in cities where the 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 cities have become more dense, and how do you treat with uh, with that? So, um, I think it's a bright future for mixed use. A um, and B, it's more common to do it because, from an investment point of view, you have various pots of money, and there is an office fund, there is a resi fund, there is a retail fund, and now they're more blending in. And um, I think in order to meet all the ESG challenges and the, um, uh, the taxonomy on on um, uh, what, what we've discussed today, I think. The main issue is that investors also have to shift their kind of investment perspective in order to make it happen. And as a result, my gut feeling says that it will be more focusing on these type of projects rather than buying a sole uh, shed in, in uh, somewhere in, uh, uh, in a rural area where, where there's a lot of um, uh, logistics activity going on. And when, when preparing for this podcast, I... Um one specific area came to mind, um, um, and it was King's Cross in London. So most of our um, 
listeners might have uh, been there or, or know about it. It is um, also a project where AM was involved and Sevels as well in the office uh, leasing. Um, yeah, and the land deal. Eh? The, so the, the, land deal, so yeah, the, yeah, the whole yeah. development uh, perspective, yeah. What can we learn from a project like King's Cross? Well, I think one of the main um, things where especially Dutch and, and, and let's say, um, bigger uh, municipalities in the Netherlands can learn from is that what they've created there was kind of a combination with um, uh, PPS, so uh, public money and private money. And uh, there was kind of a land bank created. And that was kind of the starting point for doing the development, creating the plots, um, designating uses to certain areas. Um, and that was kind of the, the the safeguard that all functions that were planned for that area were actually could be developed in, in that particular spot. And it also um, kind of uh, was kind of a guarantee to have the public space in the quality you now can actually see. So uh, keeping all the old elements in, like mon monumental parts, uh, kind of the, 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 the industrial look and feel from, from the past, but also new uh, parks, uh, waterfront areas, uh, and that was all because of the land bank was there. So I think um, both working together uh, with private and public money—that's a—and secondly, you have to think of a well, uh, well, a good concept in order to make that happen because it's a city area that no one actually knew. It was kind of a, a very ugly spot in the in the city, fenced. So you, you couldn't enter it. So for for people uh, that were not known to the area, it was kind of a challenge to to understand that this actually could be something where you would like to be. And now it's something. It's a super logic location uh, to 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 either work, live, or just stay. I I want to uh, include uh, Niels into this conversation because. If I look at the examples that you're calling your uh, or you're talking about your own examples from AM, we're talking about international examples. It feels like the mixed use element is sort of uh, the most important part of making the community work, uh, so that you have different functions in your area development. Is mixed use sort of like the holy grail in area development? Will we ever see, uh, you know? Uh, um, Monofunctional office locations or monofunctional residential areas. I surely hope not. Uh, and and be, and also because of well, uh, when you see with 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 COVID, uh, working and uh, living are are so blended in uh, together. You want that mixed environment, and and uh, I think everybody wants that mixed environment. But the trick is, what kind of functions and what kind of uh, uh, population. You're, you want to mix in that uh, in that area. That's the that's the difficult part. There is n no real statistic on on how to make uh, well the best uh, the best area. It's per community or per municipality, per type of people, uh, per uh, work type type of work. Uh, the mix is different, and that's the difficult part and for me that's the fun part to work of at. course never yeah, yeah, yeah. two projects alike yeah, for you yeah. so that keeps it interesting well it it's it forms a nice bridge to my final question i ask every guest of the podcast about their dream project so if you would imagine a project an area development project in your case uh, and there's no limitations in time money budgets uh, how would your perfect community look like 
my perfect community. I don't know how it would look like, but I do know what the process would be. And that would be to have all the stakeholders that that uh, surround that project or, or are going to live in that project uh, well monitored and, and well asked on what they want to be happy and healthy. And and then I don't know what's, what's what it will look what like, it will look like, but but uh, if you have what the people want, you have that in your community. I think that's the the, the ultimate goal to. In marketing, you call that a need scope analysis. So firstly, you start with a very good analysis of what people actually want. Yeah, but but in area development, it's such a difficult question to ask because you don't know the people, and you don't know what the people want in. 10 years, 15 years. Well, thank you so much, Niels Bonder, manager healthy urban living at AM. We've learned today that community building is growing ever more important and that investing in such projects is a great way to incorporate the S in ESG. Please subscribe to this podcast when you don't want to miss a thing and give us a rating in your favorite podcast app. My name is Charlotte Harmse and this was No Stone Unturned. <laughs>